mind. Maybe you should just listen again. Because I think God's saying, do it. Whatever it is, I don't know who you are. but if You've had that thought of doing something kind and generous. Then do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from the, the Gospel of John. If you'd like a Bible, haven't got one, want to follow the reading, raise your hand. One of the stewards will give you one of the Bibles. The Gospel of John is the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the New Testament. <coughs> We're going to read from John chapter 1. So, easy to find, hopefully. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. He came... Oh, sorry, read the same line again. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children not born of a natu by natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. May God bless to us this morning both the reading and the preaching of his most holy and infallible word. There's a big emphasis, is there not, on trying to get Christmas right. You know, we want, we really want it to snow, right? We want it to be white on Christmas Day. Some people do anyway. I like to. I like, I used to love, when, I liked it when my parents lived up in the Brecon Beacons. And I'd finish church service on, Sunday, on, the, on each Christmas day and then drive to the Brecon Beacons to spend a few days with them. And they lived in this little valley by a reservoir, miles from anywhere, and we would get cut off. It was wonderful. No mobile phone signals. You know, you could, didn't get back for New Year. You had to just let the church get on with it. <laughs> but it was, it was a private road, so the council didn't, you know, do the road. We had to get out there and dig it out. But it was great. We used to go tobogganing. Oh, wonderful time, wonderful days. I could reminisce, I think that's where my children got all their ideas of taking risks from, uh, because I used to do it, and we had a great time. And there still is, in, in, in most homes, there's this idea, of we want to get Christmas right, we want, to, we, want every, we want the decorations in the right place, we want the candles there, and we want the presents under the tree. Uh, oh, and, oh, yes, and we want peace and joy in all the world as well, don't we? You know? We forget about that. Actually, Christmas turns out rather something different most of the time. It turns out to be a bit more of a hassle, spending money on 
people that we don't even like to buy them presents that they don't even like <laughs> and don't even want uh, and ends up being quite a miserable time in many ways. Um, we've, we try and spark up our Christmas. You know, you've got to do something different. If you're getting bored of Christmas, think of doing something different. We, we now wear moustaches for Christmas Day. <laughs> All right? It's become a tradition the last few years to where everyone gets a moustache. It's quite interesting eating your dinner with a you know, plastic moustache on or a hairy thing, especially the women. You know, they, were, they were brilliant at it. And my wife and my mother, I mean, Kira, look in a moustache. That was, that was interesting. You know, but you've got to do something. There was one Christmas where I asked my parents, we said, we're going to have a little talent show. Everyone's got to do a little act. The only problem was, we only told them. <laughs> they came along and did a little song and dance. You can imagine, I can say what I like, because they're not here today. <laughs> and we videoed them, and they did a song and dance, and the rest of us said, oh, we didn't, we didn't prepare anything. <laughs> so, yeah, you ask them about that. They might do a little turn for you. <laughs> We like to get Christmas right. We like to have lots of fun. We like to have a big meal. But I don't actually think that's what Christmas is really about. You know, I think God wants us to get Christmas right in, a, in the understanding of what it really is. And, um, you know, this is not the most traditional of, of Christmas readings in a sense. You know, John doesn't talk about angels and shepherds and wise men. John gives us this kind of Cosmic, cosmic picture you know, of the nativity. Something that is bigger. He wasn't talking about this microcosm of what happened there in Bethlehem and all the little details of who turned up where and when. He's talking about the big picture. Why is this? What is it about? And I think that's where we need to look today. Last week we looked at something totally different. I always try and think of Christmas because you know, Christmas comes around every year and you've got to kind of preach on it sometimes several times a year, and you try and look at it different ways. And last week we looked at how Joseph's dream was smashed, but God had a better plan around the corner. And I know a number of you have come to me and we've talked through some of those things in your own lives where you need to trust God for the future. Well, today we look at something different. We look at the real meaning of what a right Christmas is about. What do we have to understand or change in our lives to allow Christmas to be a time of blessing and wonder instead of just stress and tension? And that's what this passage does. John, in a way, puts Christmas in this cosmic context. And so the first thing I want us to see, and I've just got three simple points in them, to come and share communion and hold those in our hearts, in our minds, when we gather together around this table. First one I want to see, I want us to see the person of Christmas. The person of Christmas. Between all the personalities and the presents and the practices of Christmas, uh, it's easy to forget the real reason what it's there for. In fact, many of the things we do and love doing at Christmas are nothing more than ancient pagan rituals that the church has just kind of hijacked and taken on board. <laughs> you know? So we can't kind of claim that a lot of these things are particularly Christian but we use them and they're symbolic and there's nothing wrong with that so I'm not one of these people who's bar humbugging although I do like Murray's shirt up there <laughs> his jumper that says bar humbug you know, I thought you'd be wearing that Rob you don't do joy <laughs> um, <coughs> we need to see the person of Christmas 
And verse 1 in John's Gospel brings it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know who the Word is, because we read it in verse 14 of that chapter. The Word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. God became flesh and made his dwelling amongst them. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, the one who came from the Father. And I want to share a few things. The first one is, Jesus is eternally God. Right? You've heard me say this before. For someone to become a Christian, you have to recognize that Jesus is God. Right? That's really important. Who is Jesus? And if you think he's just a good man, or he was just a good prophet, he was a healer, he was a teacher, they're all right, they're all good, but it's not enough. Comes to the point where we have to see Jesus is God. And this passage just points it out in bucket loads, if we're prepared to listen to it. In the beginning was the Word. A phrase doesn't imply that the word had a beginning, it means that the word always existed. It's the imperfect tense. It could be, you know, something that is in the past but has a continuous action into the present. It could well be written, in the beginning was the word and is the word and always will be the word. Right? The word was there in the beginning. The word is eternal. He always has been there. And he always will be there. Jesus had his birth in Bethlehem, but not his beginning. He was the eternal Logos, the Word. And he got called Jesus when he was born in the flesh. And he lived for 33 years on this earth. But the Word was always. Let me tell you a story. A couple of months before Christmas one year, uh, the wife of a postman was killed in a tragic accident. The postman, the husband, was overcome with grief and was trying just to kind of bury himself in his work to be able to work through his sorrow and he often stayed late at the post office sorting through the mountain of mail that always is around, particularly at Christmas time. His job that particular day was to go through what was called the lost mail. You know, the stuff that needs to be rerouted somehow because it's kind of ended up in the wrong place, hasn't got to the place it was supposed to do. And that particular day, he came across a letter addressed to Santa Claus, as one does, I expect, in the post office on Christmas, you know. The only thing different about it, he noticed in the corner, the sender had written their address, and it was his address. So he thought he'd open it. There before him was a little letter that his only daughter had written to Santa Claus. It read like this, Dear Santa, my mummy died two months ago and since then my daddy has been crying himself to sleep every night. He says only eternity will heal him. So would you please send a little bit of eternity to my dad this Christmas? It's a moving story, it's a true event actually. But God not only sends a little bit of eternity, he actually sent the heart of eternity. He sent the heart of heaven into our lives and onto this earth, in, the, in amongst us. 
the eternal God became flesh. Jesus is that. You read from 1 John, Liz, I'll read another one. We have seen and testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. God eternal comes down. Jesus is eternally God. Second in the person of Christmas is that God, that Jesus is equally God. Right? Well, there's a second phrase. The word, we got it on the screen, and the word was with God and he was with God in the beginning. And that word with literally means to be face to face, to be in communion with. Right? He was equal with God. He was there. Not as a subordinate, but equal with the Father. We worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus is one of the manifestations of those three persons of one God. Now, it's difficult for us to get our heads round, but we have to believe that. We don't worship three gods, but one who comes to us in three different ways. He is equally God. The Logos means the reasoning, the speech, the explanation. Jesus is the explanation of God. He's the narration of God. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. That's why reading the New Testament is so important. That's why reading through a gospel is so important. If you're new to the whole Christian thing, just read a gospel, read it all the way through, and just look at it and say, who is this Jesus? And what did he do? In fact, when you get to the end of John's gospel, he actually says there, so many books could be written. Not, the world couldn't even contain all the things that could be written. But we need to recognize, here is Jesus, the one and only who came from the Father, He's the explanation of God. That's why I like, when I'm uh, witnessing to my, my friends, I was in the swimming pool in the sauna a few weeks ago talking to, to a guy about Jesus. He kept talking about God, and I kept talking about Jesus. And he says, why do you keep saying Jesus? Because Jesus is God, I said. And if you really want to know God, you need to look at Jesus. It is fundamental. God can be... You know, as the philosopher Feuerbach was it said, you can be the God of your own imagination. Make up what you like. Right? <coughs> just, just make up something. My God is not something I make up. He has revealed himself. And we went through it this year. You know, all of the promises through the Bible. We went through that path for 30 odd weeks or something. Through that path of scripture. Seeing who is God. How he has revealed himself from the Old Testament right the way through to the New and beyond. He is God. He is eternally God. He is equally God. And he is also essentially God. He is God, the Word, who was God. Now, probably the clearest statement of the deity of Jesus Christ anywhere in the Bible. The Word was God. Not only is he co-equal, he's co-eternal, he is co-essentially in his nature and his substance, he is God. You can't deny that. 
I can't say, I and my Father are one. But Jesus could, and say it with 100% accuracy. Only Jesus could say that. And although his life, all through his life, sorry, he proved who he was over and over and over again, just in the things he did and the things he said. From the things where he would tell the storm to be still, where he would tell a sick person to rise up and walk, when he would tell a dead person like Lazarus, come forth from the tomb. When he'd say to someone, your sins are forgiven. When he cried from the cross, it is finished. They all prove who he is. Here is the God-man. Man as though he was not God, God as though he was not man. In one. If you thought the Trinity was hard enough, now you've got to get the God and Jesus and humanity in one. It's called an antimony. Right? If you want to you lose, you look those things up, be technical about it. Things that you think contradict each other but are held in harmony together. God and humanity in one person. A trinity being held together as one God. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. He is the person of Christmas. It's not the angels, it's not the shepherds, it's not the innkeeper, it's not Mary and Joseph. It's Jesus. Jesus is the person of Christmas. Secondly, I want us to see here that the, I want us to consider the power of Christmas. Because if I was to ask you to tell me what you think is the greatest manifestation of God's power, you might all come up with different answers. Some might say it's creation. Wow, look at the wonder of creation. God did that. Jesus did that. Others might look at the miracles of Jesus and say, wow, weren't they fantastic? Others might look at the cross. Amazing. Others might say the resurrection. What if I was to suggest to you this morning that actually one of the most amazing manifestations of the power of God was when he humbled himself and became a baby in a smelly, messy manger in a stable. The power of God. Why? Because our text tells us through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He is the maker of life. He's the maker of creation. When you consider that this verse tells us that Jesus is the creator of the universe, and yet he has this amazing birth in a stable. The creator of creation humbled himself and became a creature within his creation. God dependent on a human mother. We often sing it. We're going to sing it in a few moments' time when we take of this bread and wine. You laid aside your majesty. You think about that. This is God in his glory. He laid aside his majesty and came down to earth. This is Jesus. The power of Christmas. Meek and mild. Some of the hymns get it wrong. I don't think he never cried. (laughs) But he was a baby. 
and yet is the power of Christmas. The creator of the world. He's the maker of creation, but he's also the sustainer or the master of creation. He, his power, he holds it all together. Let's read this verse from, from Colossians. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, in him, all things hold together. It's talking again about Jesus. It's the Apostle Paul writing, this is, this is the theology profoundly looking in and saying, this is who this Jesus is, this saviour of the world, this baby in a manger, this Lord on a cross. He created all things and he sustains all things. Now, some of you kind of find that hard to grip, but I kind of just, just bear with me as we think about some of these things for a moment. You see, man likes to think that he can make things uh, that are powerful and wonderful. Having been a designer before, and you know, I, I kind of like the idea of engineering things, designing things. We like to make things that work, but inevitably they don't work. They, they break down, isn't it? Yeah? If you bought something and it's kind of supposed to last 10 years and after two it's broken, yeah? Life's like that. I don't want you to think about the universe and the way God made that. If you think about our planet and realize that it doesn't travel in a true circle, actually it travels in three directions at the same time. It's rotating around its axis, which rotates around the sun, which gets deflected by the gravitational fields of other planets as well. It's it moving all the time. But do you know what the amazing thing of all that? Is that the time difference when all of that happens, it lose, only loses one hundredth of a second every one hundred years. Don't tell me no one's in control. <laughs> and you look at the building blocks of the universe, little atoms. I read this week, I'm going to share it with you. An atom is less than 150 millionths of an inch. It's old, old money, I suppose. Now you can take all the molecules of a drop of water and if you converted them all, every single molecule, into a grain of sand, you would have enough sand to build a road half a mile wide and a foot thick right across Europe with a number of molecules that are in one drop. And there are 100 drops, 120 I've been told, 120 drops of water in a single teaspoon. So you could concrete the whole earth if you converted those molecules. I'll combine that with the fact that one cell of your body contains 200 billion molecules. Of so whether you look at the universe with a telescope and see how big it is, or whether you look at it through a microscope and see how small it is, you know, when we see the order, and you see the symmetry, and you see the harmony, and you see the beauty... I think it's folly to conclude that no one's in control. <laughs> it's just too amazing. What does it all mean? 
It means that God's still in control of Christmas as well. When we all get uptight about, oh, it's become too commercial these days, God's still in control. When there's rumours of wars and wars around us, God's still in control. When our families are falling apart and we think we're going to have a happy Christmas and it turns into rows all round, God can still be in control. Everything is in the hands of him who made it. He's the power of Christmas. He holds it together. It's not a fat man in a red suit or an angel with a glowing nose or, sorry, a reindeer, I should say. <laughs> well, we could have angels with glowing noses, I suppose, you know. The power of Christmas is the person of Christmas who was born in a manger. Finally, I want to see, just in these first five verses of John's Gospel here, is the purpose of Christmas. The purpose of Christmas. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So the question that always needs to be asked when we consider what I've just said previously is why? Why would God come in flesh to this earth? Because he wanted to do something for us. The creator became part of his creation. He came to bring life where there is only deadness. When Jesus came to the world, he entered the world filled with dead people. You know, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us, we are dead in our sin. Until we have been spiritually awakened, until we have been born again, we are dead in our sin. And it's only that encounter with Jesus that brings eternal life in the power of the Spirit. That's why it's important we recognise who is Jesus? What did he do? We can have lots of theologies about all sorts of things, but if we don't get those simple questions right, we can be miles away from true Christianity. He came to bring life to the dead. Some years ago, a farmer was trying to teach his son the ways of life on the farm. Uh, so he took his son out <coughs> and went to the hen house and grabbed the chicken. He says, your mum, son, wants a chicken for dinner. So you know what we have to do, don't you? And he took the axe and chopped off the head of the chicken. Have you ever done that? It's an interesting sight. <laughs> the boy looked on. And he looked on, sorry if you're kind of a bit squeamish right now. <laughs> the boy looked on and he said, wow, look, dad, the chicken's still running around. He doesn't, she doesn't know she's dead. <laughs> and actually that's true for life, isn't it? If you've ever taken a chicken and chopped their head off, they still run around. We're dead and we don't know it. That's the state of the world. And until we become awakened and have spiritual insight, we just don't know. The purpose of Christmas was that God came into the world to open our eyes. He came to give us life. Jesus came to give life. And I think that verse is, I put on the screen, I tell you, this is what Jesus says, whoever hears my word and believes uh, him who sent me 
has eternal life. I want you to just, just go off point a moment. That's, this, this verse is really crucial. This word from God is so important for someone here to know. You need to read that verse and underline the word has. You, he has, she has eternal life. Not hopes to have, not will have one day, if all things work together. Right? He who believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. Present tense. You've got it now. You're not waiting till we die in order to go to heaven and then it's all happening. No, we have it now. My friend, if you don't have that assurance that you are eternally saved, then I want to help you this morning to see that. God comes to bring life. Jesus came to bring life. Not just wishful thinking. You have eternal life if you believe. There's an enemy who wants you to court to, be, to doubt that. And maybe we doubt ourselves because we stumbled and fallen. We found ourselves doing the things that we thought were typically non-Christian again. Well, we come back and we repent and we believe and we get right with God again. We have eternal life if you're a believer today. Don't let anyone steal that from you. You will not be judged. Isn't that great? This is, come on, people, this is good news. <laughs> you have eternal life and will not be judged. Why? Because we have crossed over from death to life. Amen. That's what Christians believe. This is what Jesus has done for us. That's why Christmas is so important. It's the power and the person and the purpose of Christmas to give life. So we're not judged. We've crossed over from death to life. He also comes to bring light into the darkness. A person who does not know Jesus is more than just spiritually dead. They're spiritually darkened as well. Jesus came to change that. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hmm? We don't have to be the dead with our heads chopped off, not knowing we're dead, but trying to grope around in the world, trying to get Christmas right for all the wrong reasons. Actually, we can come and we can know who Jesus is. We can know what he's done. And we can know him now and forever. I love this verse from Acts when God tells Paul, what is, what, is he, what is his job? What is his preaching about? What is his apostleship about? He says, to open the eyes and turn from people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so they might receive forgiveness of sins. That's what's happened to us if we believed. If you're uncertain of that today, then I pray you would just spend a few moments with me afterwards so that we can help you begin to see that. Jesus came to bring light to our spiritual darkness. As he stood in the darkness of creation and said, right back in the beginning, before time, let there be light. He stood in the darkness of my life and spoke light and life into my life. And he makes us new creations. What is sad is the world 
still stumbles around blindly. Let me tell you a final story. There was a, a guy, he was drunk. And uh, he was down, all, down on all fours on the pavement. Right, one night under a streetlight. Groping around on the ground, trying to find something. Uh, a friend or a buddy of his kind of walks up to him one day and says, Sam, you know, the same day, not that different day, the same day he was down there. <laughs> hey, Sam, what are you doing down there? He said, well, I've lost my wallet. So his friends get down on his knees as well. And they both start looking for the man's wallet. But neither of them could finally, could not, and neither of them could find it. Uh, and eventually, uh, the friend turns around to his drunken mate uh, says, are you sure you lost your wallet here? Well, no, he said. I actually dropped it down the block. Well, why aren't you looking for it down there then? He said, because there's no light down there. <laughs> That's what the world is like. Looking for light, and yet it's rejected the light. It's lost. We need to share this amazing Christmas, the re-reality of life, of power, of purpose, of what Christmas is about with our friends and with our neighbours. They are lost and looking in the wrong places, like dead men fumbling about, unable to see. I thank God that Jesus came into my life and he's come into yours but he also wants to come into others as well and I pray that the light that shone through eternity that you know was a little glimmer in the manger shone through the 33 years of teaching and miracles a light that flickered on the cross looked as though it was snuffed out. But a light that was glorious and radiant at the opening of a tomb. And the light that continues to shine today through his spirit and his word and his people. For now we are the light of the world. That same light gives sight, brings life in the darkness and to the deadness that is all around us. This is what Christmas is about. And only God can do that. God gave his son so that we might live, so that we might see. So be sure to have Christmas, Jesus at the centre of your Christmas this year. Be sure that you know him personally and that you've passed from death to life. And if we could just close our eyes for a moment. We're preparing ourselves to take this communion here I just want to pray for that one who is lacking that assurance of their own faith. He said, oh, I, I've believed in Jesus, but I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'll ever get to heaven. Would you listen to those words? You have eternal life. You have passed from death to life. You will not be judged on that basis because Jesus is on your case. He's in your life. And he wants you to be certain of your salvation this morning.
because you have believed in him. For that person who's never believed, will you come to the place where you say, I want to believe today? I want to believe because I didn't realize what Christmas was about. I just thought it was all the celebrations and the tinsel and the trees. And I didn't know that the maker of the universe came and gave his life for me. Lord, help me in my unbelief as I seek to know you. Is that you? If you just give yourself to God, say, come Lord Jesus. And for us who do believe, we all kind of say, yes, those are great prayers, but what about the rest of us? Lord, we pray that we could give you away this Christmas, not just keep this glory and wonder to ourselves. Might be a family member. We don't need to preach at them. We don't need to Bible bash them. Just give us the words to say, the grace to do and be around them this Christmas time. That actually your family and your friends might see Jesus in you. For you now are the light of the world. Lord, apply these words, this wonderful teaching from John's Gospel. Make it real to us in the way we live our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say it now.